0: Love history, but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charles, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist, and reader of books, as I delve into
1: unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and, of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
2: My name is Greg Jackson.
1: The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities
0: so um we got a tweet the other day from amanda and she she said am i the only one who forgets that i don't actually know the people in a podcast that i listen to i told a co-worker the other day that Jethro from Box of Oddities was telling me a story the other day. (laughs) I love that so much. Oh, that is so
2: sweet. But it's,
0: I mean, I do the same, 100%. I I know that feeling. I feel that feeling. I've done that a thousand times. I
2: did that on a previous episode, the episode about Flatland. Mm -hmm. I think I was listening back to it, and I said... Well, as Carl Sagan told me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of how I felt about Carl. I just wanted to be his friend. Well, yeah. Who
0: doesn't want to be Carl Sagan's friend? Hang
2: out with him.
0: Obviously.
2: The boxofodities.com is our website, and there you can find our merch if you want to uh, pick some of that up. That's, oh my gosh. Holidays are upon us pretty soon. And That's right. Box of Oddities coffee mug would make a great stocking <laughs> stuffer.
0: <laughs> and uh, we've got our own merch, right? Like the, the Box of oddity stuff and the Freak Flag stuff, and then our twins. Uh, beautiful piece of art that that is available on all kinds of merch, but also lots of suggested items. So things that I've found um, that I love that I've added to our shop so that you can see them and you know things that are related to topics that we've talked about and not necessarily our designs, but things that I like, and I hope that you might too.
2: Well, I go first this episode, and uh, you know how I love science fiction. Yes. And one of my favorite writers is Philip K. Dick. Correct. Or P.K. Dick, uh, as he's known. He was responsible for writing uh, classics like uh, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? The Man in the High Castle, which is a series on, what is it, Amazon?
0: Something like that. Yeah, I think it's, yeah.
2: A Scanner, Darkly. His uh, short stories and novels have inspired movies like Blade Runner, mm-hmm. Total Recall, Minority Report, Many science fiction films that I just love. I mean, Blade Runner. Come on, right?
0: <laughs> and I got you a P.K. Dick uh, book for Valentine's Day like a couple of years ago, right? It's you like did. All of his short stories. Yeah,
2: great stuff. Well, P.K. Dick was an interesting guy. Some say he was a madman. Some say he was a mystic. Oh. He was not uh, plugged in the same way that you and I are. <laughs> and I mean that with great respect, because maybe he just knew more than we did.
0: And that's so often the case. You got those extra smarts, and there's some other stuff that kind of falters because of it.
2: Yep. Uh, I'm pulling information from uh, Wikipedia Publishers Weekly and uh, from one of his nonfiction books that I uh, just finished not too long ago.
0: was it called? Do Androids Dream of Electric Dick? (laughs) 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 That's one of his saucier novels. Yeah.
2: The book is called The Exegesis of Philip K. Dick, and it's a collection of uh, mostly letters and correspondence that he wrote to friends during a period of his life where he was having some rather strange visions. Oh. In 1974, P.K. Dick was recovering from dental surgery, and he had called the pharmacy and they were sending over some pain medication for him.
0: What kind of pain medication?
2: Well, it's Percocets, not. Percocets. It's not. Demerol. N- yeah. T3s. That's a good question. But before he took the pain meds, this is what happened, okay? Okay. The doorbell rang. He went to go open the door to uh, let the uh, delivery person from the pharmacy in. And she was wearing one of those Jesus fish okay. necklaces. Yeah. He said that it, uh, it, it drew his attention, like it started glowing. And light was reflecting off of it. He asked the lady, uh, "What what is that? And she said, well, that's that's like the, the the secret symbol for Christians back in the Roman days because Christians were being persecuted and thrown into the lion's pit. And so that was a secret symbol to let people know they were Christians without having to be killed.
0: Because of loaves and fishes?
2: Yeah, I guess that's probably it.
0: I mean, I think a necklace with a loaf of bread on it would be cute, too. I'm just saying. <laughs>
2: So he grabbed his uh, his medication from her, he thanked her, and he closed the door. And as he shut the door, this bright pink light flashed into the room, and it, it blinded him. And vision started, as he put it, downloading into his head. Images of abstract paintings, followed by all sorts of philosophical ideas, to sophisticated engineering blueprints. Oh. Just one after another after another. And he believed... That it was some sort of a the the pink light was some sort of a spiritual force, which had unlocked his consciousness, and had granted him access to es- esoteric knowledge.
0: Whoa!
2: Yeah, That's this some on- necklace. Yeah, <laughs> this went on. This went on for months, and in in his book, he there's letter after letter after letter of him writing to friends saying, "Everyone must think I'm crazy." Sure. And I know that what I'm saying sounds crazy. But from my perspective, this is very real. And so he was thinking of it critically. It wasn't like he was just believing everything that was happening. He was trying to figure out in his mind, why is this happening to me?
0: Which is usually the sign of someone who's doing okay mentally.
2: Yeah. So in the following months, these visions continued. And scenes from ancient Rome would just appear before his eyes. He was talking about one day he was sitting in a playground, just sitting in a park, and there was a playground there. And the chain-link fence started... Everything around him started kind of coming in and out of focus. And at the same time, other objects started coming into focus that weren't there.
0: Like somewhere in time?
2: Like somewhere in time. Exactly what I was getting at, which, by the way, is a wonderful film. It's so
0: nice. We watch
2: it every Christmas morning. It's one of our weird little rituals.
0: I love it. Is it you?
2: Is it you? <laughs> so the chain link fence starts transforming into a Roman prison, like iron bars. And where there were children playing, weeping Christian martyrs about to be fed to the lions started to uh, to appear, to materialize. He saw pedestrians change into Roman military uh, personnel, walking up and down the street in Roman uniforms. Stone walls, iron bars. He said... I hadn't gone back in time, this was in one of his letters, but in a sense, Rome had come forward by insidious and sly degrees under new names, hidden by the flack talk and the phony obscurations at last into our world again. Now, he started to believe, this is where it gets really weird, not that that isn't. He started to believe that time stopped in the year 70 AD. That was the year that the uh, temple of Jerusalem was destroyed by a Roman siege. He claimed that when the temple was destroyed, time stopped, and that everything that has happened afterwards has been an illusion, and that the world is still under Rome's dominion. We just don't know it.
0: So what's happening? Where's the disconnect between our bodies and our minds? I don't understand. Like, how are we what what are our bodies doing if our brains are believing that we're now?
2: He spent most of the rest of his life trying to figure that out. All right. He believed that uh, the Roman Empire was embodied at the time in the uh, tyrannical Nixon administration. Oh. And that it was responsible for the assassinations of the Kennedys and Martin Luther King Jr. His own role was uh, that of an undercover Christian revolutionary fighting to overthrow the Empire, and uh, that's why he believed that the delivery girl had the uh, the fish symbol, that that was supposed to trigger his memory oh, of this.
0: Some sort of, like, Terminator memory booster yeah. symbol?
2: Yeah. Now, some of this information, he claimed, uh-huh. was provided by three-eyed extraterrestrial time travelers Sure. who entered his bedroom through the portal of pink light.
0: Cool, cool, cool.
2: Uh, He uh, fictionalized these experiences in uh, his sci-fi novel, Valis. A lot of what he wrote in later years in science fiction was stuff that he felt was being fed to him by a greater intelligence. Oh. Now, there's, of of course, there (laughs) has this article in Publishers Weekly says, there's a considerable difference of opinion among uh, PK Dick enthusiasts about what it all meant. Was it a psychotic break? Mm-hmm. Was it a religious experience? Mm-hmm. And, and how do you tell the difference? Dick knew that what he called his, quote, divine madness would come across as mental illness. And by his own admi- admission, he grappled with paranoia throughout his like a life. He called himself a flipped out freak. Now, the paranoia was probably the result of his being addicted to amphetamines.
0: I mean, that'll, that'll do some stuff.
2: Here's a guy who wrote 34 novels, 34 novels over a period of like... Six fifth. months. Yeah. <laughs> he just sat down and wrote them all at once, the typewriter. Uh, friends said that, that, that he used to go to his refrigerator and it would be stuffed with bottles of amphetamine pills uh, jammed next to uh, pre-made milkshakes. He would, he would gulp a bunch of these pills and then wash them down with milkshakes. He called them his happiness pills and his nightmare pills. Uh, when his addiction got uh, into high gear, so did, uh, so did the paranoia. While walking in the country, he had a vision of a vast visage of perfect evil spanning the sky. Quote, it had empty slots for eyes. It was metal and cruel. And worst of all, it was God. That was during one of his uh, Speed Freak uh, episodes. But yet, the Divine Madness, as he called it, of 1974 was different. Although it included, sure. it included paranoid elements, the most obvious being the uh, nefarious Roman Empire lurking beneath appearances. Right. Uh, there was much more to it than that. He felt that uh, he felt guided by by spirits who were tutoring him. Now, following his advice, he took better care of his health. He made clearer business decisions. He got off the speed. Uh, in one instance. A hallucinated voice urged him to seek medical care for his infant son for what turned out to be a hernia. Uh, Dick's judgment improved. He felt more alive. In a sense, his divine madness drove him saner.
0: So, I just want to clarify, he started feeling better and making better choices when he stopped doing speed?
2: No, he stopped doing... Interesting. He stopped doing speed because Mm -hmm. his madness... The voices in his head told him to stop. So in a way, his divine madness uh-huh. led to his sanity.
0: Is there a possibility that maybe it was just his body going, please stop doing speed?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. Could be.
0: Hey, Phil. Yeah, it's your inside bits. Um, We're going to need you to stop speedballing all day. <laughs> we're real tired. Need a nap.
2: Though in more of his correspondence, he proposed that the source of the pink light may have been God, or it could have been the KGB, or a satellite or aliens, or a first-century Christian named Thomas, who was who was in telepathic communication, uh, the CIA version of himself from a different dimension, or possibly his deceased twin sister contacting him from the spirit world. Uh, each new theory seemed to telescope outward into further possible theories over and over and over and over again.
0: Maybe it was the the pink-red glow of an oven baking a loaf of bread, and that's what should have been on that necklace. A loaf of bread.
2: (laughs) Dick never settled on a definitive explanation as to what happened to him. He did explain why his divine madness was so captivating. Before the visions, he felt alienated for most of his life. Um, an observer in a strange world. But in 1974, it seemed as though, quote, the world changed to accommodate me so that as a result of this radical change, I was no longer a stranger here. It became my world and my anxiety, which tormented me every day and night, departed. All of a sudden, I fitted in. For a short time, I had a place in the universe.
0: Again, just want to clarify, he did a bunch of drugs and all of a sudden his inhibitions were gone? Huh. Huh. <laughs>
2: This was after he stopped doing drugs. I'm
0: just saying.
2: Okay. In his book, in one of the letters, he said his ideas for stories were coming to him from a fu- uh, from an entity in the future okay. that, was, that was pushing the uh, information back to him. He said, I don't feel as though I was picked by a future force as an instrument, bidden to make manifest its word, etc., Any more than when you are watching a TV program, the transmitter has picked you. It is a broadcast. It just radiates out in all directions. And some people tune in. Some do not. Some like what they see and hear, and some reject it. So all I did was to transduce, as all creatures do, I just gave what I received a local habitation and a name, as Shakespeare put it. So he says, all of the stories are out there in the ether. Mm -hmm. All of the ideas are out there in the ether. Time is not linear. It's all happening at once. And that somehow some entity from further along, the you know, I hate to use the line after saying it's nonlinear, but uh, an entity from the future was sending these ideas back to him.
0: I, I guess I'm confused about how that the ideas can be sent back to him when time stopped in the year 70. So is the future the past? And he w- is more in the past and the future is just somewhat near to the end of 70, like 69?
2: It was the summer of 69.
0: <laughs> I guess the timeline kind of confuses me a little bit. Well,
2: well, you see, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're understandably confused. Mm-hmm. He had... More than one theory as to what this was all about
0: okay okay, okay. so
2: so the the time stopping in in night in the year seventy was one theory,
0: okay, okay, and, and so, then all right.
2: another theory was that you know there was an entity in the future that was sending stuff back to him, Got it. and then there was another theory that it was space aliens and you know I mean oh,
0: okay, okay, he, he never I thought figured- all these things were happening at the same time, it was very confusing there's aliens there 's Romans. Kennedy's are there, there's delicious <laughs> bread. I'm just I've got a lot of questions.
2: He spent uh, the last few years of his life trying to figure out what it all meant. Sure. In the last few years of his life he was he was sober. Your point that you know you, you do a bunch of speed for a long period of time, it's probably going to have some effect on on one's brain. So even though maybe he wasn't doing that at the time, there had been sustained damage.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm not eating cake right now, Mm. but you can see that some (laughs) cake has been consumed. (laughs) There's that that long-term effect of Uh, cake on my body. Right. It happens.
2: Point taken. It's a fascinating story in the sense that he said, I must be crazy. You know, he's going at it, trying to disprove all of this has, is happening to him, yet it keeps happening to him. Right. And then he writes these novels and ultimately they become very successful. Not during his lifetime, by the way. It was after he was dead.
0: That's a bummer. Yeah. I always feel bad when that happens. Oh, we're going we're gonna to take advantage of your amazing brain and your stories, but not for you. You don't yeah. get to benefit from this at all. We're just going to yeah. like it after you kicked it.
2: Well, I think he had just sold the rights to what became Blade Runner. Then he died before it was even produced. Mm. I'm not positive. I may be getting my timeline mixed up because I'm as confused as you are about all this right now. But uh, but it's fascinating. Here's a guy that was brilliant as a writer and claimed, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I swear to you, this is what happened to me and you know it brings us back once again to what is reality that was reality for him not for us what is the true nature of reality what is it so if you've not read any uh, philip k dick any pk dick trust us you will love dick
0: didn't richard cheese used to have tank tops that said that <laughs>
2: <laughs> richard cheese yeah richard <laughs> cheese had uh had tank tops that said that dick really swings <laughs> <laughs> You don't know who Richard Cheese is? Google it. Oh,
0: it's a delight. Nonstop delight. That was fun. I really didn't know anything about him. So that's, that's interesting for sure. I
2: just love the whole mad genius thing. Yeah. You know, the, the, the fine line between genius and insanity. And, and where is that line? And did he cross over it or have we not gone far enough?
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. I don't know. But go ahead and pick up some dick. Are you done? Just trying to think of another dick joke I could make, but... Now let's just do the thing in the middle.
1: That thing on the side? No. It's that
2: thing in the middle. Most of his books are on Amazon now, and you can get, like, anthologies, so you can get a lot of dick for your dollar.
0: And if you stay up late reading, then you can fill your nights with dick.
2: It's always good to keep a little dick on your bedside table. That thing in the middle. This episode the world's weirdest coins and currencies. Here we go.
0: Number five. Hyperinflation in Zimbabwe around 2008 led to bills ranging from 10 billion to 100 trillion dollars in value being printed. (laughs) That means for around $4, you could put multi-trillionaire on your Tinder profile. Excellent.
2: (laughs) Number four, bottle caps. In 2005, a brewery in Cameroon started printing prize offers under beer caps to boost their sales. Uh, Competitors followed suit until eventually, for the price of a beer, you were almost guaranteed to win anything from another beer to a sports car. So people started using bottle caps as currency. They'd pay their taxi fares with it. (laughs) Ultimately, uh, taxi drivers would bribe traffic officials with them. Pretty soon, it became a small part of the local economy.
0: I love it. Number three. When Zaire's dictator Mobutu Sitsi Siko was toppled in 1997, they spent no time worrying about what to do with their currency, which had his face on it. Instead, they just cut his face out and carried on. Now the bills (laughs) just have a hole in them.
2: Number two, the quid. No, not that quid. Scientists from the National Space Center, along with a university, have designed the quid, which is short for Quasi-Universal Intergalactic Denomination, to be used as space currency. That's right. We have money for space.
0: I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this day. I didn't know that, that we had it. And number one, dog coin. It's a cryptocurrency, or internet money, which has adopted the likeness of a much-loved Shiba Inu dog made famous for memes as its mascot. Wow. Very money, much future.
1: Wow. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth.
0: So, you know my friend Felicia, who I play volleyball with? Yes. She just had that new... uh,
2: it's called a baby. The,
0: yeah. Yeah. And um, she already had the other two. And so I was like, Felicia, you know what you should do. Hello Fresh.
2: Now, her other two are of school age. Exactly. And this is a good time of year to try HelloFresh because let's face it, it's crazy if you're a, a parent trying to get the kids to school, get them to uh, football practice or saxophone lessons or skydiving. Right. You know, if that's what they're into.
0: Exactly. It is a, a tough time to get back into the swing of things with school schedules. So let HelloFresh take the guesswork out of your meals week after week, Felicia.
2: There are plenty of reasons why you should try HelloFresh. Number one, there are three plans to choose from. You got the classic, you got the veggie, you got the family plan.
0: And you so look forward to your HelloFresh delivery knowing that dinner just got that much easier.
2: And it is delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging.
0: And you spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping each week, and you can get back to more of doing that stuff that you like, like skydiving. And I have never, ever, in our long, loving experiences with HelloFresh, received anything that was any less than amazingly fresh and delicious. They pick out better groceries than I do.
2: I think they have a time machine. I think they go back and they get the ingredients before they are actually created. And that way, when they show up in the mail, they're perfect. Could it be? Could it be?
0: Ancient Ancient alien alien theorists theorists say say yes. yes.
2: And right now, HelloFresh has a great offer for you, Box of Oddity listeners, you freak, for a total of $60 off. That's 20 bucks off each of your first three boxes. You can visit HelloFresh.com slash Box60, promo code Box60.
0: Use promo code Box60 for $60 off your first three boxes and to show support for the show.
2: And we do appreciate that.
0: And we appreciate delicious fresh produce.
2: That's HelloFresh.com slash Box60 and enter promo code Box60. And you get 60 bucks off. That's $20 off your first three boxes. Hello, Fresh is awesome.
0: No one knows better than me.
2: Is that the end of your statement? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, see ya. Good night, (laughs) everyone.
0: When you partner with someone, you want them to be the best. That's what I did.
2: What do you mean? Oh, okay. I thought you meant when you partner with somebody who's broken and flawed, you want to make them better. (laughs) That's what I (laughs) thought you meant. Which would also work.
0: All right, that works too. Um, It's true in the case of Calm as well. We partnered with Calm and we're so excited about it because they are the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. And for good reason. They were named Apple's 2017 App of the Year. That's why we're partnered with them.
2: They give you the tools that you need to live a happier, healthier, more mindful life. And we've talked about this. Many times on the show, how you and I both deal with social anxiety. And we found that taking time for yourself makes a really big difference in managing that. And the Calm app can help you make time for yourself.
0: So if you head to calm.com,
2: that's C A L M dot com slash box slash box
0: you'll get 25 off a calm premium subscription which includes hundreds of hours of premium programming which includes guided meditations on issues like stress anxiety focus and relationships including a brand new meditation each day called the Daily Calm.
2: One of the things that we like the most about the Calm app, the sleep stories.
0: We listen to them together.
2: We just listen to one called uh, Two Shades of Blue, and it's a sleep story. About a trip to a deserted island off the coast of Thailand and living in a hut there and listening to the waves crash on the shore. And the I'm two-
0: already relaxed. Yeah,
2: just thinking about it makes us relaxed.
0: And that's one of the magical things about these sleep stories. You can think back to them and they still work. It's like you can be there again.
2: I and mean, because we've talked about our anxiety issues, we get emails from people who who deal with similar situations. We got one from one of our listeners in Ireland who said that uh, she enjoys the podcast because she has anxiety and depression. And the show has, quote, seriously helped me just chill out, keep me company, driving and help me be more productive because I get stuff done while listening. We appreciate that, but you can take it up a notch by taking advantage of that 25% off the Calm premium subscription.
0: This is what I'm talking about with the partnership, right? <laughs> Partners.
2: Calm, C-O-M slash box. Get started today. Calm.com slash box. Calm.com slash box. And in addition to that, you're supporting the podcast and we appreciate that.
0: Calm.com slash box.
1: They've been married longer than they've been doing this podcast And they're still talking to each other Pat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth continue with The Box of Oddities
2: Don't forget, we are planning on dropping a bonus episode on Halloween night That's Halloween 2018, for those of you listening in the future
0: Or in the year 70, whatever yeah, whatever
2: the case may be
0: it's going to be chock full of your Halloween scary, scary type stories.
2: You got a, a scary story? Something scary happened to you? Something paranormal? Something just unexplainable? We want to hear about it. Just record it on your on your cell phone and email it to us, curator at com. It may end up on the show. All right. What do you got?
0: <clears throat> I have to lower the shades. I'm sorry. I'm being blinded.
2: Blinded by the light? Yeah. Revved up We're like, up a, like deuce a deuce. in the, Another roamer in the night.
0: Twice that uh, song's come up. Uh, Weird.
2: And by the way, who is Go Kart Mozart, and why is he checking out a weather chart? Besides the fact he's, you know, I don't know seeing if he's safe outside.
0: Any of the words to that song other than the part about douches?
2: It's deuce, like deuce coupe.
0: According to the Extreme Ironing Bureau, extreme ironing <laughs> is the latest danger sport that combines the thrills of an extreme outdoor activity with the satisfaction of a well-pressed shirt. <laughs>
2: Extreme ironing, I am in.
0: So I got most of my information from Wikipedia and from an article in the New York Times. Extreme ironing came into existence around 1980 near Settle in the Yorkshire Dales National Park in England. Inspired by his eccentric brother in law, John Slater, who ironed his clothes even when camping in a tent, <laughs> Tony Heim illustrated the futility of unnecessary ironing by doing it in bizarre situations such as mountain lookouts, crowded airport de- <laughs> departure lounges, on top of telephone kiosks, and charity clothing bins. Until 1990, Tony often carried ironing board plus iron in his car boot. on the lookout for opportunities to cause bystanders to look at him and think, what's going on there? That man is ironing. There are those who say that Phil Shaw is actually the creator of extreme ironing. And I think the idea that there is a debate about who started extreme ironing is the most amazing part of the story. Oh,
2: please, God, tell me they had an iron off.
0: Iron off, iron off. So, Phil Shaw came home from what he recalls as a hard day in a knitwear factory, and he had a number of chores to do, including ironing his shirts. Preferring the idea, though, of an evening-out rock climbing, he decided to combine the two activities into a new extreme sport. In June 1999, Shaw, who uses the nickname Steam embarked on an international tour to promote the activity. The stops included the U.S., Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa. An encounter with German tourists in New Zealand led to the formation of a group called the Extreme Ironing International (laughs) and the German Extreme Ironing Section, or GEIS. No iron is right for every situation. According to Mr. Shaw, a one iron is the heaviest, and that's excellent for those stubborn creases and strenuous situations involving high winds, but too heavy and awkward for long distance ironing. Uh Sometimes the ironists, and I know this is going to be a question, sometimes they lug electrical generators, but other times they heat their irons on portable gas stoves. A German ironist... Dr. Iron Q, has treated an iron with a chemical that heats up when water is applied. So that's how he irons.
2: But is it good for the clothing?
0: Um, That particular chemical? Not sure. Mm. Not sure. But I think that um, that would be factored into the scoring. Certainly. The actual ironing in extreme ironing does count. Ironists, Mr. Shaw wrote in his book, added to Goodreads, by the way, are sometimes so absorbed in getting themselves into some sort of awkward or dangerous situation with their ironing board that they forget the main reason they're there in the first place, to rid their clothing of creases and wrinkles. The quality of pressing counts for 60 out of 120 points. Style counts for 40 points and speed 20. The first extreme ironing world championship was held in Germany in 2002 and was judged by a white-glove panel of German homemakers. Wow. Eighty teams from ten countries competed on an obstacle course arrayed in the shape of an iron, pressing boxer shorts and blouses while scaling a climbing wall, hanging from a moss-covered tree branch, and squeezing under the hood of a car.
2: Why isn't ESPN covering this? That is my question. I would spend the weekend watching this.
0: The sport gained international attention after a documentary entitled Extreme Ironing, Pressing for victory Uh was produced for Britain's Channel 4. The program followed the British team's effort and eventually bronze and gold placings in the first Extreme Ironing World Championships in Germany. There was also a side story that looked into the rivalry between the Extreme Ironing Bureau and a breakaway group called the Urban Housework, who were trying to establish their own extreme (laughs) spare. Who are trying to, (laughs) who are trying to establish their own extreme sport based around vacuum cleaning? Oh, the film aired later on the National Geographic Channel.
2: Now, was the vacuuming extreme as well?
0: Yes. Wow! It must be
2: because if you're vacuuming outdoors, you're never done.
0: I actually wrote in when I was a a youngin, when I was a small person, Mm -hmm. probably like this Mm -hmm. tall, Mm -hmm. um, and to uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Uh, Because I wanted to know if you set up a vacuum cleaner outside, but just put the hose in the air, Mm -hmm. how long it would take for the vacuum bag to fill. Now, as a small person, this tall is That's a
2: great question. Thank you. Did did Bill Nye snub you?
0: Yes, I was snubbed. I was ignored. And I think it was because looking back, obviously there are too many variables.
2: I married a person snubbed by Bill Nye.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I forgive him. I see now that that's an impossible question to answer with any certainty. Where are you? What's the surrounding area like? Are you in a very dusty place? Are you in a not dusty place? Are you in the Arctic? You're not going to get a lot of dust in the Arctic.
2: Sure. Sure. Um.
0: Though maybe you will. I don't know that much about the Arctic. That's next week. Um, <laughs> plus, what kind of vacuum is it? What size is the vacuum bag? There are too many variables. Sure. I should have known better. I was an idiot
2: how old were you
0: i don't know i was like this tall
2: about six or seven i don't know about yeah i would say based on how high you're holding your hand i would say seven
0: i'm not good at this game
2: she does that all the time how old was that kid oh about this old and she'll hold her hand up about that about that old
0: anyway in 2003 john roberts and ben gibbons ironed a union jack just above everest-based camp this is believed to be the world altitude record for the sport. <laughs> the reported height was 5,440 meters above sea level.
2: Has anybody ironed while skydiving? Yes. Shut up. What did they iron? It couldn't have been like a sheet.
0: It looks like a tank top.
2: Oh, okay. How are they holding it onto the board? Okay, so two guys are holding it on the board, and the other guy is above it ironing yeah. it. Okay. I think
0: um, to extreme iron... While skydiving, it has to be like a team sport. That would be my understanding. Sure, well, that makes sense. Otherwise, sp- you, there's got to be a lot of preparation involved. You would have to, like, tack down the, sure. the item. In 2003, a group won a trophy um, by ironing across a gorge at Wolfberg Cracks. They were from South Africa. In 2004, the EIB traveled to the U.S. on the Rowenta Tour to recruit additional ironists and ironed at Mount Rushmore, New York City, Boston, and Devil's Tower. (laughs) And in March 2008, a team of 72 divers simultaneously ironing underwater set a new world record for a number of people ironing underwater at once.
2: This reminds me of when I lived in Orlando, they had a thing called, I think it was the, the Doodah Parade. Which was started by a local columnist, and it just featured uh, weird things like uh, the precision folding lawn chair team, and they would just be marching along, and then they, in precision, they would open their chairs and sit down, and get up, and spin around it, and that would be followed by a group just pushing lawn mowers. It was just crazy, fun Does stuff. Does this still happen? I don't know. Can
0: we go to this if
2: it still happens? Make
0: it, do, the, do the do the machine. Do the Google the, machine? Yeah for the information times i want to go to that so badly um while you're looking that up let me tell you about other things like on june 16th 2018 a free diver roland piccoli uh ironed a t-shirt at the depth of 138 feet in the world's deepest pool in italy i understand that an iron can be treated in such a way so that when it's wet it creates the the heat and works out the wrinkles and such but i don't believe that getting an item of clothing out of a pool and then it redrying without having to be re-ironed i think that there's some there's a a wet item of clothing issue that i struggle with when considering extreme ironing
2: all right i'm not seeing anything about orlando maybe some of our orlando listeners can clue us in if that's something that still goes on there but it started in pasadena And then spread to Columbus, Ohio. There's one there. There's one in Ocean City. Uh, I was
0: just saying I wanted to go to Ohio.
2: Kalamazoo has a doodah parade in Michigan.
0: Michigan! I'm so excited. So there you go. I'm very happy. Okay, so now we um, have... Events that we have to go to, world championships, and parades. A parade I want to go to.
2: There are very few of those. There really are. We hate parades. We do. We really, especially the ones they have in Maine. Because it's like you're standing there and, oh, a fire truck. I've never seen one of those. Maybe that was entertaining back in the 20s, you know, or the 30s when it was relatively novel, Right. Oh, there's a flatbed truck decorated with crepe paper and a bunch of flabby old people sitting in lawn chairs. I don't really care for parades.
0: Right. Plus, they've stopped throwing candy because it's a hazard. Right. What, what is the point of a is? parade if you're not getting candy hucked at you? I ask you.
2: There is no logical answer to that question.
0: Right. Plus, there's a there's a backstory to why I hate parades. Maybe we'll discuss it sometime. All right. A little dark for right now. Okay. Anyway, that's what I've got. Extreme ironing. I
2: love it. I love it so much. Seems like a great way to blow off steam. I just came up with that off the cuff. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Ooh. S- seems like a real pressing issue. <sighs> no, I should have yeah. stopped with the cuff. Yep. I probably never should have started. I love that, and 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 there, there. I'm sure there's just so many bizarre sports and competitions like this. Would mm. that
0: be considered a sport? They they claim that it is. Okay, and there was a championship, so sure. it must be.
2: Well, competitive eating is a sport.
0: It's, I guess. Yeah. Race car driving.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> not.
2: Who was it that said that? If you can drink a beer while you're doing it, it's an activity. It's not a sport.
0: I don't know, but it's so accurate. I don't
2: know who said that. I can't take credit for it. I wish I could. I wish I could credit them though. Whoever but it was. But
0: good luck finding anything I can't do while drinking a beer.
2: That's true. You are invincible. Thank you. With a little fine pilsner in you.
0: Yes. Oh, also, big fat shout out to uh, Keegan. Who shared a photo of her with her new purchase? Um, as we are adding some advertisers, which we are very excited about, into uh, the show, um, she's buying all the things and showing us <laughs> on our social media, and I love it so much. Like there, here's me with my box of food, and here's me with my new T-shirt, and here's me, all kinds of calm.
2: Yeah, we love that. <laughs> Yeah, well, she's the one that sent us the picture of the HelloFresh. Yes. She got a box from HelloFresh and said, thanks, box of oddities, for the great deal on HelloFresh.
0: I just love that so much. And I I just appreciate uh, entirely the reaching out factor, the sheer cuteness level.
2: Mm -hmm. It's supporting our podcast.
0: Yes, that is, (laughs) I mean, mostly that.
2: Yeah, mostly that, yeah. Gives us the opportunity to continue to grow the podcast. And we've had uh, requests, people have said, when okay you guys do two a week when can we get you to do five and i think in the past we said never that's never going to happen right but maybe if we get to a point where we're just doing this just this full time maybe we'll add a third episode
0: well, i will absolutely do three a week if i don't have to like go to a job
2: <laughs> cuz this is fun. We love doing yeah. this. But when you support any of our sponsors, you're, you're making that a possibility, and we really appreciate that.
0: Almost as much as your pet photos. Keep sending those.
2: The Box of Oddities twice a week drips from the internet and splashes on your phone Monday and Thursdays. The Box of Oddities oozes forth from the internet and dribbles upon your phone twice a week now. Dribbles. Dribbles? No. Splashes? Eh, our shows come out twice a week. Monday and Thursday. We'll see you Thursday.
0: Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
2: Fly it proudly. We love you, you beautiful freak.
1: And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. Theboxofoddities.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.
0: I have the FedEx hold music stuck in my head, and it's driving me fucking crazy.
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Neil.